Thank you, Miss Ellie. Take your Bibles, turn to Habakkuk, Habakkuk the prophet. We're going to look in, uh, I want you to turn to chapter 3, but I'm going to read a, a few verses uh, there in chapter 1 after that. So you turn to chapter 3 in the book of Habakkuk. That's one of the latter prophets there before Malachi. So if you're looking for that, I tell people, uh, don't hesitate to use the concordance. That's all right, too. Habakkuk chapter number 3. What a great joy to see you today. I'm thankful that uh, you have turned aside and, uh, for our time of worship uh, there before the Lord, okay? Habakkuk chapter 3. For titling's sake, sometimes I like to title simply to keep up with myself. I titled it A Revival of the Work of God, and you'll see that in chapter 3. However, before that, uh, you can see something uh, there that could sound more like a solid word in shaky times. It is tough times that we find Habakkuk writing from or in. And as a result of that, we could title these passages many things. However, the title is not what's going to penetrate our heart. It's the word. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse number 1, if you're following along. It says, A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shiganoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known in wrath. Remember mercy. For the sake of understanding what period of time that Habakkuk might have been writing, just figure on these two dates, if you will. Somewhere between 722 B.C., and that is when the ten northern tribes of Israel went into captivity there uh, to the Assyrians. So it was sometime after that. But it was also a period before 605 B.C. or 597 B.C. when the Babylonians came in and they again took the southern tribe. And as a result of that, what we find is Habakkuk writing, uh, he is having a word with God there in chapter number 1. And that's why I ask you, if you would, to keep your Bible open and follow along a little bit, okay? For we find there in chapter 1, verse number 2 through 4, he said, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. You know, as we look at this passage, think for a few minutes about uh, the times that Habakkuk is writing from. As you read those verses that I just read to you, when you get home, hopefully, you might open the book back and see something there that maybe I don't show you. But however, we find there that uh, Habakkuk is making a plea with God. A couple of three things I want you to see. First of all, it is a persistent cry, okay? I'm using the word cry because that's what's in the King James Version here of Scripture. Your, uh, your translation might be different. But anyway, it says, How long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Now the reality of this to me is Habakkuk 
is calling unto God. Habakkuk is not calling out just one time. Habakkuk is continuously reaching out to God. Let me say reaching up to God because he is saying there, How long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Let me ask you, do you and I have such persistence? Are you praying for things that might call you to be very persistent? You name it before God over and you name it again over. Surely, prayerfully, you're not just asking God one thing, one time without uh, continuing. Oh, I feel the heart of Habakkuk the prophet here when he says, uh, How long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Some might see here that God is indifferent. You know, there's probably been times in each of our lives when there was something uh, that we had been calling upon God for or something for Him to do when we have felt like God uh, is just not caring like He should. However, not just a persistent cry, it's a petitionary cry. Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. We discover it's not just simply peaceful times uh, that is going on in Judah at this particular time. Go back, read other historians, the Jewish historians particularly, and what you'll learn there is that Judah had came into a place in their existence when they were uh, divisive, they were, they were slack in obeying what God had said do, and as a result of that, this problem, prophet Habakkuk almost appears just out of nowhere and this little book tells us now that he is crying out unto God, How long, Lord, shall I cry and you will not hear? It's a petitionary cry. Why? Because that means he's beseeching, imploring, he's pleading, and even in the thesaurus, uh, there it said begging. Have you ever got down before God, whether on your knees, maybe on your face? might be at an altar, and you just begin to pour it out before God that God might hear your cry. Well, it was a persistent one. It, there is a petitionary one, but also it is a painful one. While we see that in verse number 3 and verse number 4, of which I didn't read, but listen, he said, Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. See, he has now looked at God and talked to God and cried out to God. And he says there that there seems to be indifference. Uh, he has petitioned God and there seems to be a God of inactivity. Now he says unto God, the law is slacked. He is talking about there is injustice even in the days that Habakkuk is writing concerning Friend, I don't know about you, but I cannot go a week. Uh, sometimes it's almost like I can't go a day without getting in a discussion with someone, and usually it is with a believer or a professing believer, and we get in a discussion about how things are going in the world, and we then begin to talk about what we think might be a solution to it, 
in Habakkuk, rather than draw a crowd and discuss what's going on, Habakkuk just went straight to the Lord and he said, How long am I going to cry and you will not hear? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm reminded of some of those verses that we read or quote. Jeremiah 33, 3 is one of those. When the Lord said, Cry unto me or call out unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. You remember all of those passages that assure us uh, that God is listening, that God is able. We, we pray from that uh, question in the gospel, is anything too hard from the Lord? Yet now we find the prophet who is pouring himself out unto God. To my knowledge, uh, except for now that we find it canonized in Scripture, there's, there is no audience there. He's just spending time with God and God alone. Can I ask you, church, what might happen if we begin to cry out in the same manner? For I see some similarities in Scripture. I see, and hopefully you see as well, that, hey, God is able, but yet and still sometimes we think quite possibly that God may not be willing at the moment. Well, let's look secondly, not only at the prophet pleading with God, a word with God, but look at Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5 through 11, and we see the reply of God. Oh, it's always good to hear from God. We may not get the answer that we've been searching for, but God is now going to tell him that I'm not absent, I'm not unconcerned. You think I'm inconsistent. Listen now to what I say. He said in verse 5, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days, which you will not believe. Though it be told you, for I will raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land, to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards, and they are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves, and their horsemen shall come from far, and they shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind. And they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the kings and the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold. They shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change and he shall pass over and offend imputing this, His power unto His God. Now notice, we found the prophet. He is talking to God in those first four verses. I don't know about you, but I've been guilty. Sometimes in my prayer time, I talk to God, but I'm not quite as, uh, I'm not quite as honorable to sit there and wait on God's reply. You know what I mean? 
You know, prayer, if we're not careful, it is that means whereby we want to get our will done on earth or maybe our will done in somebody's life. But friend, God also wants to have conversation with us in our prayer time as well. What I've read to you in chapter 1, verses 5 to 11, is God's response to the prophet uh, there as he had cried out to God. He had poured his soul out. And maybe as uh, he has done that, he might not be expecting what he is to hear. Now in these verses, I see God's uh, work. I'm reminded that Henry Blackaby in his uh, study, Knowing and Doing the Will of God, said that God is at work all around you. Do you see God at work? Maybe not. Do you hear God uh, in His work? Quite possibly not. But that is not a sign that He is not at work just because we don't see Him or hear Him. Look at His response here. First of all, God's work. He said, I will work a work in your days which you will not believe. First of all, verse 5 reminds me that it is an unbelievable work. And we find that in verse 5. Have you ever saw God doing things that were just beyond your imagination? Have you ever maybe heard from God concerning something and you couldn't quite grasp the reality of what God was revealing unto you? So we see now Habakkuk the prophet is pleading unto God. Matter of fact, he's pleading for his nation. He's pleading for the southern kingdom there. He's pleading for the people in and around Jerusalem. And now God said, I hear you. And I will work a work in your days which you will not believe. It's an unbelievable work. It's an undesirable work. Verses 6 through verse 9. Not only is it undesirable, but it is an unexpected work. Matter of fact, when he set out praying and crying out unto God, I don't know that he was looking for this answer. Friend, let me tell you, God is definitely at work in our nation. Matter of fact, God might be working through people who are more wicked than we can imagine. You say, why would God do that? I can't believe God would do that. If you know anything about Jerusalem in the times there of Judah about 600 B.C., and then if you know anything about the Babylonians, they were more wicked than those that God was going to allow to come in and uh, issue judgment upon God's people. See, many of you have lived in the days, especially after World War II and the rise uh, there, we call it the Cold War and, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis and all of those things. Uh, and you might have thought like I did one time because I had this idea in my head long before I ever preached. I thought uh, because I was not uh, true to God's Word, I thought God would never use... Uh, a, a, a nation uh, uh, that was unchrist, uh, a nation that was not even thinking on the things of God, but yet God would use them to punish a nation that might be uh, one that He had favor upon. And when I read this passage, friend, I'm going to tell you, it shook me in my shoes. Why? Because God will use wicked people 
under His authority to punish those who are even Christ-like in some ways. Now I'll show you some things that you've already seen. God's work there, I'll work a work. God's witness for lo, verse 6 said, I will raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation. I want you to use your Bible just a moment there with me. Verse 7, uh, or he said about that nation, they shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. Verse 7 said, they are terrible and dreadful. Now God, why would you use a nation like that to bring judgment to Israel, or to judgment to Judah? Why would you allow somebody so terrible to come in and and invade your land? Verse 8 said, Their horses also are swifter than the leopards. Now you say, well, I can't believe that. Well, I just don't doubt it. If God said it, I think it's settled. You know, He's not talking about tanks here. He's not talking about missiles here. He's talking about warfare. Uh, He's talking about hand and foot warfare, is He not? And He said, Their horses are swifter than leopards. Uh, They are terrible and dreadful. Verse 9, He said, They shall come all for violence. In verse 10, They shall scoff at the kings, and princes shall be a scorn unto them. Then in verse 11 he says, Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over, and offend, imputing this his power thereunto his God. Friend, I'm I'm like you. I'm concerned about where our nation is. I'm concerned even more so concerning uh, our, our spiritual location as well. Friend, I I believe like uh, we're fixing to see that uh, Habakkuk cries out and he makes a plea unto God. And I'm telling you, uh, we find Habakkuk already in his word for God in verses 1 to 4. And now we have found God's word, a response there from God. And God said, uh, it's an unbelievable word. You're not going to believe it. But just because we don't believe it doesn't mean God will not do it. Because we have never seen it doesn't mean that God is not going to allow it to happen. I read a crawl, or I was reading this week and I found this poem. And I don't know who to give credit to it for. It was not attributed there. But let me read it to you. It says, A call to prayer I cannot sleep. A midnight vigil I must keep. For God to speak and I repeat. To prayer, to prayer, to prevailing prayer. The need for such is everywhere. It covers earth, it fills the air. The urgent need of urgent prayer. To bended knee, to bended knee. God calls to you, God calls to me. Because what is and is to be shall reach throughout eternity. Oh folks, I say again, I say, A truth has been born to my heart today. It's the need of prayer, let come what may, we shall overcome if we watch and pray. Awake, awake, ye saints, awake, your place in prayer, believe and take, stand in the breach for Jesus' sake. If the world be lost and our nation be lost and our soul be lost, for Jesus' sake. A call to prayer. You know, it's amazing, is it not, that what's going on around us, Years ago, we never would have imagined 
Who was it said, and I'm sure many have said it, but who was it said, you can tell a lot about a people when you discover what makes them laugh and what makes them weep. And the reality of it is that our nation is in trouble, isn't it? And I'm not here to sound political. I, I would say this regardless to which, uh, to which party was in the White House. Our nation's in trouble. And friend, we need some Habakkuk's of our day. And you say, oh, you preachers just aren't preaching hard enough. And we preachers would say, you listeners aren't listening hard enough. But I'll tell you where we're all falling slack. And that is because until lost people start getting saved. And having not only a change of mind, but a change of heart. We are susceptible like Judah was in the days there that God would use the Babylonians. I want you to notice now in, ver in chapter number uh, 3, verse number 1 and 2, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shiganoth. This is the same word I read in the beginning. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of years, in the midst of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. As I was reading that again, I want to remind you when he said, I heard thy speech and was afraid. You know when he heard God speak? Chapter 1 and chapter 2. That's the record we have of what is labeled there, I heard thy speech. I heard your words and I became afraid. Friend, I'm not preaching today to make you afraid. I'm preaching today to make you be more enlightened. And what we know is this, that God is able. But we also know that there has to be a spiritual awakening in which God will move. I love this phrase, O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. I was with a friend some weeks ago. I actually had breakfast with him. You wouldn't know him if I told you, but the reality of it is uh, it, it doesn't bother you anyway. But we were sharing together. And this verse came up, and I immediately, uh, upon getting home, I, I penciled this verse down and I wrote it. I, I wanted to go back to it. And God spoke volumes to me out of this verse. And the verse again is here where it said, O Lord... Revive thy work in the midst of the years. Now, first of all, the word is for God, O Lord. This is like a short sentence prayer, is it not? Do you see it that way? It doesn't have to be a long oratory prayer. It doesn't have to be one there in which everybody hears. But I think this little sentence there could be seen as a prayer. The word is for God, O Lord. Now, friend, I don't have to teach you to pray because you could be teaching me. But I'm reminded as Jesus were asked to teach His disciples to pray, you know how He started? He started by saying, Our Father. Habakkuk now says, O Lord, this is a word for God. But also, He said, Revive Thy work. Can I remind you that what we are doing in the name of Jesus is not to be recognized as our work. 
You know, there's some good things still happening in our nation, I must tell you. There are some churches still have their focus, but let's always remember, it's not our work, it's God's work. And the reasoning behind that, if anything good comes out of what we're doing, it's got to come through God, is it not? or is it not? He said, O Lord, revive thy work. Just circle, if you don't mind, or at least imprint it in your mind. O Lord, revive thy work. And let us not ever see what we do with our hands or with our heart or with our mind. Let us not see what we do in Jesus' name any longer as our work. He said, revive thy work in the midst of the years. So I see the word for God. I see the work is from God. And I see also the weight is on God. I've told you many times before, and you say, hey, every time you say it, you fix and say something you've said before. Yep, it is hard to wait. It is a hard task to wait on God. You know, the reality is, though, if it's God's work and it's in God's timing, we don't have an alternative, do we? But he said, Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. Well, I think that could be every preacher's prayer, couldn't it, brother? I would trust that that's your prayer as well. Hey, I'm, I'm excited, you know, that many people are coming back to the Lord's house. But the work isn't done in the Lord's house. The real work of the Lord's done outside of the Lord's house. But let me tell you what I do believe. I do believe the saints of God need to come together in worship of God also to be encouraged by one another. So part of what we're doing today is to encourage us in the work of the Lord. You know the scripture said, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. Now as I close this morning, just want to remind you of this little phrase again, this little prayer. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. As you bow your head with me this morning, can I tell you that's my prayer for the church today? Yes, that is my prayer. And that is that I could see God at work through you and I making a difference in this community and where we live. Revive thy work in the midst of the years. Maybe you're here this morning and you really need a revival personally. And hey, if you do, don't be ashamed of it. Hey, just bow your face before God. Come to the altar. Do business with the Lord and say, Lord, I'm just not where I need to be or where I ought to be. Maybe you're here and you don't even know Jesus. But you know that you're a sinner. And you know there's a cause for sin and the And the cost of sin there is death, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Give God first place in your life this morning. Father, thank you. Lord, how desperate we have grown for you. Lord, how I pray that you would just invade us. Lord, and stretch us beyond what we think imaginable. And Lord, I pray that as you call us, it will respond to you. In Jesus' name.
Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand as